Hey, podcast, 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 check. <laughs> okay. F-bomb, F-bomb, <laughs> All right, welcome to the next episode of Bikini Things. You've got Laura here. Thank you guys for listening. I have a great topic today. Um, I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Chris Schleich. Um, I wear a lot of bikinis. So <laughs> I see why you chose me. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give a little introduction. So Chris is the engineering manager at my company. Uh, I've mentioned a couple times on here, I work full time as a project manager. And my company is awesome. We do a lot with uh, personal professional development and I think that's a topic that a lot of competitors can relate to and so I just really wanted to dig into that idea of personal improvement self-improvement taking on challenges taking on things that are hard and I thought you were a great person to talk to because you do so much with our team I think I can see why why you say that I think I'm becoming more aware of we're, 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 I think we're pretty different we have we have a lot of individuals here that really fit that mold, and uh, and it's easily relatable to your uh, your interests and probably your audience's interests. You know, it may not cover competitions as much any, as as much, but uh, but in terms of the mental work that goes into it, I think it's in relatable. And competing is so mentally intensive. I mean, really, like any athletic pursuit you're going to take on is going to be really intense if you want to push it to your personal best or your personal limit but yeah it's very very mental because just the eating alone it's with you 24 7 it's not go do a workout and then you've got the rest of your day it's no go do a workout take your food with you don't stray from the plan maybe go do a second workout and just keep grinding that out day in and day out so it takes a lot of mental discipline yeah i would say you're the the leader in the building on demonstrating those type of habits so Also, probably leader in the building in terms of um, annoying microwave smells like (laughs) fish and broccoli and kale and stuff like that. So um, my eating habits, I haven't been in the kitchen much, so I I couldn't say. Yeah. Although one, one of our one of our engineers hit us pretty hard on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Maybe some two day old fish or something. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So. Really today, I mean, one one thing I want to talk about, I, I obviously want to get into your background in engineering because I think there's a lot of good parallels there because engineering is an incredibly tough discipline and not everyone takes it on. And even the people that maybe initially are interested in it don't always follow through um, through school or through a career. And then I also wanted to talk about kind of growth mindset because that was a, a topic that you taught the team right around when I started here. And, and I think that was really helpful for me and at a really, um, I don't know, just ideal time for me personally. Opportune time. Exactly. A very opportune time. So, yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background in engineer, engineering. What, what made you decide to do that? What made you decide to stick with it through classes, midterms, labs? Yeah. So I, I think if, if I can navigate the questions and conversations well, um, I think anyone who listens could potentially get a lot out of this separate from not being an engineer or if they don't have interest in it because the way I'm going to relate to it, uh, it's like you said, much more about the growth, much more about the work, much more about the challenge because it, it applies to a lot more than engineering. It's just engineering was rough. It, it, it really was tough. And 
so anyway, I hope in my story to get that kind of across and this stuff doesn't go well every day and that, that's exactly where these, these kind of concepts are kick in to help manage your reactions, help yeah. manage my own reactions and you know, helps help the other people in the building yeah. do similar. So what, what first appealed to you about engineering? I mean, when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to be an engineer? Did you enjoy the classes in school or how did you know that was something you wanted to pursue? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I, I was obsessed um, with excavators and cement trucks and stuff like that since I was age four and planes and any books that had that kind of stuff in it. And my dad is an engineer, so I always wondered about the nurture versus nature aspect of that but I would say early on ages two three and four I was staring at those things and I, I, maybe some of that goes with the male mind too I don't know but uh, so I played with Legos my dad did a lot of science stuff with me um, and I think overall I just kind of associated those interests with engineering even though I, I really didn't know what engineering was um, it was the closest thing to Legos is kind of how I viewed it when it came time to, what's your major going to be? It's like, well, Legos. <laughs> Wait, Legos isn't an option. Legos is my major. <laughs> um, and even having a dad as an engineer, I didn't know what engineering was. Like, mm -hmm. what does it actually mean day to day? What do they actually do? So yeah. it's kind of funny because I think back now that I have kids and I think back to when I was four or five and, you know, sitting in the car on the freeway with my dad and telling him, one day I'm going to grow up to drive a cement truck and... Mm -hmm. You know, an engineer would be more likely the one to select the materials and design whatever, the mm -hmm. tires, the alternators, if, you, if I were using those specific examples. And I can see that now, but I didn't even know that, even in college. Yeah. In college, especially at UC, didn't really, they didn't really tell you what engineering is. Really? So, I mean, because my, my major is sort of just different enough where I wasn't truly doing engineering coursework. I was more just on the... I guess physical sciences side. What what types of classes were you taking? You know, I guess what kept you what kept you engaged with it long enough to s stick it all the way through to get that engineering degree. I, I wandered a lot, so it's kind of I don't know when this will come up. So I, I keep thinking of the times I did wander around academically and uh, why did I stick with it? I don't think I had a different option that seemed realistic because I, I really didn't like the schooling part of it. Um, uh, and so I think it was, it was almost, um, I'm a pretty stubborn person actually, and uh, part of it's almost just being stubborn too. Like, okay, well you started this pursuit, were you just gonna stop? No. Um, and at UC was, um, they're pretty theoretical, and if you're not innately interested in or engaged in um, that coursework and just getting good grades. If I'm much more, show me how this is applicable, then I'll be interested. And UC is not good at that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wish I would have done a lot better, but at, I've, I've always had, at least when I was younger, that kind of mindset. If I don't know how this is useful, I'm not that engaged in it. So I think just getting it over with was really what kept me. Kept really? Me yeah. And then what did you do once you finished school then? Um, I wanted to be somewhere around, somewhere along the lines, I figured out, you know, I wasn't going to design cement trucks. I wasn't really that interested or that talented with design type work, you know, 
using AutoCAD and it's almost like sculpting. It's mm-hmm. like mechanical sculpting. And I wasn't great at that. And I, and I figured out I was much more turned on by uh, um, the systems work. So making the systems work, writing the code, you know, coming up with the wiring and really being an orchestrator, uh, a systems builder. And so I wanted to go into controls, which is what our firm does right out of college. Uh, because some of my wandering, I didn't have a great GPA. And that does become an issue when you're looking for entry-level work. So I started in aerospace, um, working on ejection seat systems, ultimately. And it's going to come up later in the conversation. I have part of the story in here. but uh, And then I just did a lot of self-study on PLCs and what that industry is about to try to get into it eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what coming out of college looked like for me. Yeah. So I have a kind of a question for you and in, in what you said there you were recognizing you weren't good at some things you're better than others how did you I guess what did that look like for you or how did you recognize that certain tasks or things just weren't your strong suit certain things were weaknesses I think the the parallel I'm trying to draw here is a lot of people can struggle with objectivity or just understanding what their strengths and weaknesses are like how did you at a young age college age or shortly thereafter recognize what am I good at what am I not good at what's worth pursuing what's worth working on what's not how did you how did you think about that um it just man I'm not sure what order to go in because it's like I, I guess I knew in some ways but I didn't know I didn't have the context like I do now which we can tie directly back to mindset but at the time, it was just noticing like other mechanical engineers maybe doing their student, their senior design project where whatever, we had to design some kind of car or robot to achieve some task or coming up with just wicked designs. Mm-hmm. And I, wouldn't, I couldn't even know where to start, you know, barely get yeah. a, despite all the Lego building, I barely get an axle and a wheel together, let alone we had to do this one car where the competition was... Um, there's this board and you lie flat and you get a, you, you drive your little car across it and then they just keep raising the elevation in increments and mm-hmm. then whichever team can get the highest uh, highest angle, their car up the highest angle wins. And a, there was a couple of students there that I just blew me away. Mm-hmm. Blew me away. Um, the one that ended up winning actually made this device... Uh, that pinned itself across the the borders of the wall. Mm-hmm. So he would lay it flat. It was like this triangle shape with mm-hmm. wheels on it. And it would stick out this arm and wedge itself. Mm-hmm. So basically he won, and he could go all the way up. 90 degrees. 90 degrees. But I looked at the intricacies mm-hmm. of this design, mm-hmm. the gearbox, how clean it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just realized, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. And, and I don't think I realized, you know, the mindset approach, well, you don't practice it. Yeah. And but at the time I was like, well, I, I can't do that, so I must be bad at that. And uh-huh. that that's kind of what I recognize. I guess anyone can recognize, even if you're bad at something, if it's just pure drudgery, that's the sign. And I think. Yeah, or even if you're good at something, but you're, it feels like drudgery. Maybe it's just not for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the difference there is you're you remain interested in that. Let's call it a task, like you did. If you're still interested in it theoretically, even if you're bad at it, versus if I were excellent at this, I would never want to do it again, right? Yeah. 
And so I think I had that sense at least. Mm -hmm. If I was excellent at designing air conditioning systems, I would not want to do it more in a year. Yeah. 25% of the mechanical engineers go into HVAC. So exciting. That's where that (laughs) example comes from. It's not all, it's not like rockets and flamethrowers and. No, no, that's what I thought it was as a kid. That's why I chose. Satellites with flamethrowers and guns and. Yeah, so one of the, one of the comments you made, so the the mindset approach, I want to talk about that a little bit because not everyone's familiar with that. Um, this concept of growth mindset and fixed mindset was something you introduced to the team right around when I got hired here about two and a half years ago. And, and like you said, that was really opportune for me because it was a time where I was in this kind of, I think, a big personal transition in my life and, and the culture here is so strong where it it's really pushed me to be the best version of myself. And in a lot of ways, that's right around when I started competing. So I think, you know, trying to bring the best to my work life, my personal life and my personal pursuits is kind of, it's, it's fed off one another, but this concept of growth mindset for fixed mindset, could you explain that a little bit and maybe give people um, an explanation of where that comes from? I think it's from a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think another thing, I don't know where to come up that I would, want to get across and just want to get across to anyone in general um, is it's because it, you kind of remind me of it when you talked about your story and you're doing a life transition is what are you comparing yourself against and is that realistic and I think a lot of people um, don't recognize like when I'm comparing myself to that guy who won the car competition well he you know the reality was he was 50 he was actually an older student. He was taking school very seriously, um, had a lot of mechanical interest for years and years and years. Meanwhile, I didn't know any of that. I didn't even think about any of that. I just compared myself directly to him right out of the gate and said, wow, I'm bad at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's where we can segue into what mm-hmm. I think growth mindset's about. You know, there's different contexts. People may like different parts of it, so obviously I'll be communicating where I think it's most powerful. Um, let me start off with how I got the concept. I'm, I'm going to be turning 40 in April, and I don't think I had this context until I was 35. Uh, and that's why I like to share it more. Um, so, Lyndon, you know Lyndon. Mm-hmm. He's uh, one of the business coaches of the owners here. Uh, he runs a company called Productive Learning in... Orange County, California. Shout out, shout out to Productive Learning. I recommend their <laughs> workshops They're great. to anyone who wants to learn more about themselves and um, think more more, more healthily. Um, anyway, I asked him one time, I always respected him, you know, can you recommend a few books to me? I, I get a ton out of reading, just a ton. Um, and he recommended Mindset by Carol Dweck. And so I bought that and I ended up reading it in the hospital the same week my twins were born. And they were, they were premature, so there were some complications and they were there for a while. My wife, her pregnancy was com- was uh, rather complicated too, so she required some care, overnight care afterwards. And I slept there in her room. Um, Aww. Uh, <laughs> no, I was painting. It's painting a picture. I mean, anyway, it is the picture because that's that's the that. setting for which I brought that book with me, and that's when I read it, and mm-hmm. it hit me like lightning. And and I just think back, and the timing is insane that I found that book during that week that I had, I brought two new kids into the world, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
I guess to talk about why it hit me like nine, it I, I just found that that the the concept there, which I'll explain in a bit, um, it explained all my successes. Um, it explained my failures. It explained the things I feel bad about myself for. Um, and then uh, it also what 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 made it even more powerful is after it's introduced, they talk about how can you embody it, how can you do that for others. So all of a sudden I have a new toolkit to coach myself, which is what you have to do first before you can try to coach others. Um, um, how to parent, um, how to interact with employees at work, even people who don't work with me. Um, uh, and so how, how I relate to going into what it actually is, uh, Part of this comes from the book, but I'm adding my own spin to it, too. And uh, Growth Mindset, she theorizes that there's um, two types of mindset. You can have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And so growth mindset is the willingness and openness to take on challenge for the sake of improving. Uh, it's understanding it's going to take iteration or, or reps to improve. And a lot of those reps are going to be rough. Um, you can involve failure. They can involve setbacks, and um, um, and sometimes in the book she talks about like studies she's done with these concepts. And apparently there are kids that don't even feel bad about those setbacks. You know, it's like utter joy to them, part of the process, right? And mm -hmm. I appreciate the concept. I'm not quite one of those with the setbacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a pretty resilient person to not be bothered by setbacks. And so it's, it's also recognizing the work, recognizing the process that is going to come with trying to achieve your goal and just achievement in general. Uh, it's understanding that failure is a part of the process, that it's, uh, an abs it's integral to the learning. They don't occur, occur separately. Um, and that most importantly, the failure is not an indictment of me or my abilities. Uh, now, if we contrast that to a fixed mindset, it's, it's kind of the opposite. It's being closed to a learning process, particularly after failing at something um, and not trying again because of the fear of failing. Um, another version is, is resting on maybe an innate talent and not developing it further. Uh, the classic example she gives is a high school athletic star who doesn't keep working, lifting, running, and they get passed up by some of their peers in the end. Um, and for me, I have quite a few skills that I, I feel bad about myself for, and um, and that's how I've always framed it. So handyman works one of them, and it might sound silly, but anytime I live somewhere, you know. Could I make the environment better? Could I fix this thing? Could I alter my space to, mm -hmm. you know, to be better living? And I'm always like, no, I'm bad mm -hmm. at that. I'm bad at that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And it's okay. There are a lot of women that can't hang pictures by themselves, so <laughs> or think they can't. <laughs> it's the very, it's the very same thing. And other examples, that makes you feel any better. Other examples in my case are like not being a wizard coder, and there's some meaning writing code, um, and there's some athletic pers pursuits where that applied, and really that book showed me that that wasn't me. Um, I hadn't done those things. 
I didn't construct a bunch of stuff when I was a kid. You know, if we look at some of our peers here who were exceptional at that kind of thing, you get to talking to them and you find out they've been doing that with their dad every weekend since age five or six, right? Um, of course there's going to be a huge gap there. Um, uh, I guess it didn't come up in our earlier introduction, but I had a I had an internship at a machine shop. Actually, it's the same story, really. I had a, in, while I was in college, and these guys, it was my best friend from high school's dad's company, and uh, now you can see why I got in. But uh, <laughs> Nepotism. These guys just made <laughs> custom machinery, and they did the controls. They chose the materials. They made it painted, and they made them look awesome. They were so professional grade, and I was just terrible at the job. I was really bad at it, and uh, um, it, it's one of the big failures in life that's kind of hung with me quite a while and you know it it's one of the ones that comes to mind when I read this book and all of a sudden now I'm going like well what were you thinking if you really look at it you know Gary the lead engineer and Bob the owner and some of the uh, the machinists you know I got talking to them and knowing them and they built cars since they were six and then they built bikes and then they mess with robots, you know, on the weekends and the free time. It was just like innately their interest. And sure, I did Legos, but I didn't really do any of those advanced things as I got older. And uh, why would I have expected to be on that level? You know, 15 mm -hmm. years later, that's the power of this. Is I, I did not realize this until 15 years after it occurred that, of course you sucked at that. You never practiced it, and you were in there with absolute killers. Yeah, and I think the, the concept there is that it takes, like you said, it takes the reps, it takes the practice to get good at something. And um, and you're kind of getting there, but growth mindset people, from my understanding, they're okay with that. And they sort of understand that getting good at a skill or a trade or whatever, it takes that practice. Whereas the fixed mindset tends to believe that we have a fixed amount of talent or skills and this is the way things are, this is the way things will always be. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I'm actually really glad you said that because that is, that is the, the textbook definition of fixed. That's where the word fixed comes from in this concept is I was born with this talent. I was not born with this talent. I'm fixed. Yeah, and, th and that's the way things are, and this was the hand I was dealt, and, and that's it. There's nothing I can do about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's part of why I wanted to wanted to talk about this because it's you know whether it's machine a machine shop, um, engineering, competing, your mental attitude is going to determine your your outcome and your output long term. Whether you're willing to put in the work and recognizing the value of working to improve, or whether you're not. Yeah, there's all kinds of topics. It could be finance. It could be uh, we were talking about you know how do you plan for buying a house? That's that is not straightforward. Um, yeah, athletics, shoot parenting too, you know, and, and I still got, I've got plenty of things. You know, I guess one thing I want to tie to this is I think people, most people probably identify with this concept and pick something out that's pretty powerful to them. For me, what makes it really good uh, is this book doesn't all of a sudden make me not have bad feelings as I'm going through those failures. and. For me, the trick is to recall this concept when I'm failing in the moment. Because um, I, I get really frustrated when I'm not good at something or something doesn't turn out the way or if it's taken out more work, I get really frustrated. And, uh, 
I've had many times I've been able to apply this to push through and keep going. And, and that's really, I, I keep that in mind in, mind in the moment too, because then I know it's real. <laughs> I got a, a little story, I, you, you'll probably think it's funny, but uh, so if you recall, I went through a period, I think it was, it started a little before you joined us, but I think I was still doing it while you're here. I was kind of fixated on basketball. No, but we did we did have that one day of pickup that was pretty fun. So the, I don't think you're fixed. I'm not sure. Maybe you were. When I was pre before that, I, I took I went through a a big year. We didn't do as much as my backstory, but I I played with triathlons a bit. I played with long distance running a bit, and after five or six years of doing those really long workouts, listening to about a bazillion Joe Rogan podcast to pass the <laughs> three hour runs. Yeah. Um, I kind of hit a wall where I went and paid, played pickup basketball with a friend. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. Oh, my gosh, I forgot what it was like to have fun like while you, while you, while you work out. And so, but I'm terrible. Running is terrible. I'm terrible at it. And by then, I had read the mindset book, so I was actually able to say, you, you're, you're terrible at this, so you're going to have to go practice. So I went through a period here of a year, year and a half where my I went – I went to courts at lunch, and mm-hmm. I would just do dribbling drills. Mm-hmm. I would do one-handed shooting drills, and um, man, the progress progress was slow. Like learning mm-hmm. to dribble and like do crossovers and stuff. That is so much more coordinated than I gave it credit for. I think it's one of those examples like learning a language where like you wish you did it when you were. Yeah, or just for me, I played basketball forever. I've lost all of it pretty much. Like I think I can still play some decent defense, but. I can't. All the skills, they're gone. Gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Pivot in the post. <laughs> Traveling. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I went out there one day, and it's around the same time that I started uh, introducing the concept to the team. And one, one thing that's really important to me, I, I guess maybe you could call it a value, is authenticity. And it's like, I don't, I can't stomach going around parroting stuff that I don't do. There's almost like there's an integrity there, and if I have a, if I have a, if I feel a gap there between what I'm saying and what I'm actually doing and feeling, I, I can't process that. And yeah, and so I was on the, I was on this basketball court one day, and I'm doing dribbling drills, maybe some one-handed drills, and the progress is so slow. And I don't remember, I just kept missing free throws or something really basic, and I was about to kick my ball down the road. And. I kind of froze myself and said, hey, you're your growth mindset guy. You're going around telling everyone this. Mm-hmm. This is what this looks like. You're failing right now, and it's part of the process. And uh, I, I, I paused on the court. I put the ball down and just, like, had these thoughts because I really wasn't about to kick the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine what that looks like, right? <laughs> Grown like, man. We're in Irvine. Kicks like, own basketball. <laughs> We're in Irvine, a master plan community where our trees are all the same distance in the suburbs and some 36-year-old's out on the court like a kid and he's kicking his ball around, right? And anyway, so I was able to at least get over that moment and say, this is part of it. And I guess today's not your day, but keep doing it. We're, you know, I'm chasing the neurological changes, so to say, and keep doing that. I've had a couple examples of that, but that's a story of where I was actually able to apply this to punch through and keep keep going um I, it happens to me too with swimming technique a lot i um i practice a certain kind of swimming 
<laughs> and I can get frustrated with that sometimes when it's not going well. Like, you know, my form's still off no matter how many drills I do, and I have to remind myself of this. And then I don't know if this, this probably isn't a super interesting story for listeners, but uh, Laura is familiar with, I, I do a highly custom Christmas light show in my house. Um, where there's like a thousand LEDs and they're all custom sequenced to match usually house music because that's what mm-hmm. I like. Yes. Even though the neighbors are like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's amazing. Why is she frozen? <laughs> anyway, the first year I did that, I that took me probably eight or nine hundred hours. Mm-hmm. And I started in February and by the time I was hitting August and running into wiring and programming issues with the technology, having to learn it all, mm-hmm. I... I I had to pull this out many times because I just wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. It was so old and so overwhelming, yeah. but I wasn't done. And I had to say, these setbacks are part of the process. Mm-hmm. What, was it going to go perfect from day one? Something you never touched, something mm-hmm. you never done before? All yeah. the open source stuff. And so that's how I apply it. Um, I think you had some other questions about it, so I'm not sure if you want to go in that order or just be more conversational. But I think there's a, a second part of this you brought up which is okay then how you coach it and teach it and that yeah yeah no that's a good point um I I, number one just wanted to lay out the concept for people who aren't familiar with it because I think it is so tied to competing and bodybuilding um specifically a lot of people I think struggle in competing number one to be objective with themselves and to recognize where they're at and then depending on what your your intent and your drive is the people I think that are successful long term they realize hey it's literally going to take many many reps before I can get to you know excuse the bad pun but it's like it's going to take you a long time before you're going to get to a place um, you know if you want to compete for a pro card if you want to compete at a high level it's going to take you probably years to do that depending on where you're starting from and I think some people come in with the expectation of, oh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get in shape for the first time, and then I'm going to win my pro card. And and they don't realize, and then maybe they don't do so well their first show or a couple of shows, and it's I feel like it's almost a failure of some objectivity or or they don't recognize that, no, it's these things take time. And that person, you know, if it's a bodybuilding, you know, that guy who's winning, he may have started lifting when he was 14 years old. And now he's 21. So that means he's had seven years or, you know, or whatever. You know, if he's, he started when he was 14 and now he's 25, it's over a decade of experience in the gym and muscle building. And, and if you just come in, do one show and you're trying to beat that same guy, think about the amount of effort and time and practice that went into that. And, and so that's why, number one, I wanted to give kind of an overview of the concept um, because I think it is so helpful. But then, yes, I would love to talk about you know, how did you go about deciding to present that to our team? How do you teach that? How do you work on that? Because I think that's something you're so you're really great at is skilling up our team and and providing these these concepts that help us bring our best to the table at work. Yes, I think a couple of things I want to add to this also, um, especially for because you, you, you made me think of a bunch of things when you're talking about maybe your peers or other uh, bodybuilders specifically. And I, I've messed around with strength training on and off. I've always been an on and offer. So, <laughs> our, I think our office is cool, though, because there's so, there's so many things that 
we do here. Um, you know, people will go, you know, not that often, but basketball is an option. People go play volleyball really regularly. We have workouts twice a week, runs, triathlons. Um, you know, I'm probably the, the meathead of the group, I guess, but it's like everyone has an interest and everyone is very active here. So, well, you reminded me, I've, I've watched, I've watched a lot of, uh, I, I mainly watch YouTube now. I never watch cable and, uh, I, I just follow various interests at the time. and uh, Anyway, I watched a bunch of like Phil Heath videos, Jay Cutler videos. I watched a lot of uh, Rich Piana, who mm-hmm. who I definitely had wrong. The more the more videos I watch of his, the, the more I like it. And he's probably controversial, but another big thing about me is authenticity. And that guy just, at least from my interpretation, what I understand of him, he just spoke truth in his videos. And anyway, one thing I picked up on and. It might have been some of Phil Heath's videos, but uh, if you really go into like the longer form ones where they're really talking about their routines and backgrounds, like the amount of work they've done to like understand their body and and understand how they're feeling and know how to react and when to pull off or pull on, and I think what one 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 place it came across was Phil Heath was talking about his diet and. Uh, um, what struck me was how in tune he was paired with a coach and like they can just tell by like how his skin looks like you need to eat less fish the next week and but he was talking about you know that didn't just happen it wasn't they didn't just read a book and it was magic it was like he was talking about you know after this year we figured out this the next year we figured out this anyway it really speaks to kind of going through that process and I think the other point I wanted to bring up that makes this so important and relatable is a uh, growth mindset. I guess you could, we can, we're comparing it to achievement a lot and doing a process, but it's also, it helps with mental health, right? Like having this framing, that's what is attitude, you know, attitudes, how you feel, how you're, how you're thinking. And that's, you know, really it's mental health. And, and so it's, the concept helps me be mental health, mentally healthy, you know, 5% more of the time or whatever that number is, but that's what also makes it important. Yeah. So in terms of, um, the book kind of covers this and that, that's why it was so important for me to see on how you foster a growth mindset. I think the number one is like when we talk about coaching it for others, pretty much any skill or any, any attitude or any thinking that you want to impart on others you really have to have it down yourself first. And it doesn't mean you're an ace at it, but you, you have some reps there and you can anticipate where are they going to struggle? Um, will they be able to apply this? Am I explaining this well? Do I even have this? Do I even understand it myself to be able to share? Um, and that's why when I'm kicking a, about to kick a ball on the back, <laughs> it's important that I coach myself on that so that when others... It's kind of funny... Because I make a joke about it sometimes that when you are failing and if you're really frustrated, you know, it's, and it actually does happen this way, at least for me. Oh, oh, growth mindset, Chris. Remember growth mindset. This is part of the failure. Oh. And my initial reaction, I Speaking just of growth to... mindset, fantasy football 2017. Oh <laughs> that was a great example of growth mindset. For who? For you. Oh, no, I'm fixed in that case. I, I'm just terrible at fantasy. I can't get better. You had it. You had it. Okay, no, you had a decent you had a decent season. What last year it was the year before that you won the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl, yeah. We gave out our office fantasy football 
league gave out an award for worst for worst um, team, and I think I think you kind of earned it that year because you weren't consistently setting your lineup. No, what happened is, um, uh, <laughs> speaking of self management, is I knew I should not do this. Uh-huh. I have twins at home. Yeah. I'm barely surviving. I can't mm-hmm. engage in this, but they needed numbers, so I'm uh-huh. doing it. Uh-huh. But then you weren't setting your lineup. Just garbage. I said it. I was just just not consistent awful at it. Okay. <laughs> Um, but then, but then I could tell, I think a lot of us could tell you really didn't want to do it the next year. Like, it seemed like you really did not want to do it, but you did it anyway. I think, I think a lot of us, um, you know, jokingly would come up to you and be like, Chris, growth mindset. You got (laughs) to (laughs) do, you got to do fantasy football. No, seriously, seriously. (laughs) Google fantasy. You you can get better. Learn, learn about how this works. Um, one, one thing that's funny is. I have this inner dialogue when when I'm getting frustrated with something and write, hey, okay, recall, this is what growth mindset is, keep going, Chris. But the inner dialogue doesn't move that quickly. It's more like a minute or three minutes, and it's really, oh, I'm going to kick this basketball. I'm so pissed off right now. And then, oh, but remember growth mindset. You're coaching others on this. F that book. Throw that book in the trash can. Why are you bringing that up right now? I'm having an emotional moment. I don't. <laughs> so that's how the dialogue actually goes. Yeah. Like, no, no, the book or that concept is important, right? Like, oh, shut up with your damn book and da-da-da-da. And anyway, I, I, I ultimately work that kind of process and, and am able to apply it. So when I coach it and see others, I, I try to keep that in mind. Like, when they're actually in the middle of it, don't just hit them with the mindset concept. You, it's the coaching, the teaching's more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's how do you foster a growth mindset? Well, you, you recognize the work versus recognizing the achievement. So in your case, I think you said you did, uh, you did really well at this show, right? And we know each other well enough where um, I could say, good job at the show, which I think is what I said today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but if we really look at it... Um, what is the most crazy impressive is the work and the dedication and the discipline and, you know, recognizing that both for yourself, but if I'm recognizing that for you, it's like, that was the insane part of the journey. That was where all the energy went. The show result was the tangible thing that said I'm across the finish line, or at least this finish line, but that's not what made that achievement so special. It's all the, the work that went before that and uh, as far as I'm concerned I think your OCD you should get checked out but I probably should <laughs> <laughs> but so that that's kind of Re- recommend someone for me <laughs> so if someone you know makes a good program or my daughter um, does well on a test or something like that I would say man Mia look at this result you got and think about how you got there I saw you study all the weeks ahead of this mm-hmm I couldn't believe how much you you worked to get this result. And, and it's not, you wouldn't just say this in the result when she's actually doing the work too. Mm-hmm. Um, you recognize that. And like kind of being a manager, that's ultimately what a manager is working with. You're working with behaviors. Mm-hmm. And you try to reward the behaviors you want and try to replace the behaviors you don't want. That concept's kind of new to me, by the way. So uh, traditionally you'd say punish the behaviors you don't want. But really it's if you really want to be effective try to embody or give um, placeholder behaviors for the, the ones you don't want versus, mm-hmm. versus bad. And that's kind of what it looks like to 
foster a growth mindset for someone. Mm -hmm. um, and my daughter's a four, so in their case it's still theoretical, but I'm, my, my money's on this topic because I've done it for myself. And it's like, actually we didn't really go through the exact order the questions were in, but um, one of my bigger achievements for myself is a marathon. I completed a marathon, and a lot of people do that many times a year, but for me it was a massive undertaking. And at a time in my life where I had not done something to that level, certainly athletically. And, and I remember kind of finishing the marathon and I almost, I didn't actually care that much. And it's when I came back to work and I always write these um, training plans on the wall where I highlight each day. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that 18 week plan with these, all these runs highlighted green, I mean, I got OCD about it. I, 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 I it, it just paused me. I guess finishing the marathon at least told me, okay, you're now okay to to recognize this and absorb that. Mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot believe I did that for 18 weeks, six days a week. There were so many times I didn't want to go. You could probably relate to that. Your, yeah. your listeners can relate to. Yeah. People probably think, oh man, this person's just passionate about this and they just love doing it all the time. And I know there's some, some people are more so than others, but some, so probably several times a week, you don't want to be hungry. Or you don't want to go lift, <laughs> or you don't want to have to roll out in order to be ready for the next day, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of it's just the d drive and, you know, refusing to not be consistent with something you need to do, like that marathon. And, and, and that's the cool thing, too, is when you do accomplish something, that's a good point, is you look back and you should kind of give yourself a pat on the back of like, or pat on the back for all the work you did put in. Um, you know, whether it's a marathon or a competition prep, you look back and it's like, wow, yeah, I went to the gym twice a day for this many weeks in a row and guaranteed there were a ton of days where I wasn't feeling good or I was stressed or I was tired or I had a packed day from super early in the morning to late at night, but I did all of it to get to the finish line. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool when you, when you put it in that context, for your daughters or for, for the team, how do you, you gave a little example, but how do you actually kind of verbalize um, the intent behind the growth mindset or, or that you're talking to people in a way that's imparting growth mindset and not fixed mindset? Because I think when, we, when you did the presentation for the team a few years ago, it talked about how I think it was using parents and kids as an example of like how you talk about achievements in a way that would almost trigger people to think in a fixed mindset way versus growth mindset like, hey, Mia, look at all this work you did to get this result. Wow, that's amazing. Versus, um, you got an I don't know. test with no studying. Good job. Or yeah, something like that. Are there are there ways you you talk about it or you um, deliver messages to try to specifically like. I don't know, impart that onto the team or onto people around you? You know, recently, uh, I don't know that I've worked with this concept as much um, uh, that literally, uh, but what I, I do do a lot of is I really um, try to embody and reward routine and preparation. Um, and those kind of relate, because that is AKA I'm doing air quotes. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I have to look at the mic when I'm Yeah. <laughs> There's not a video camera in there. <laughs> yeah, the mic's not alive. 
because that is kind of the work. Our, well, I guess a bit of background is our firm does industrial automation, and we are really good at it. Um, and what that looks like is um, when we go to a customer site and we install our programs and check out all the equipment, it works. And it works really well. There will be occasional mistakes, but nothing big. And where the industry norm is you go to site with beta junk and you just hack away at it until you think it works. And Yeah. Sometimes those plants, as Laura knows quite well because she manages these kind of clients, drag on forever. But why do we get those results? We're not that special in terms of, well, I guess we're not. We are, we are, that, we're special. We're, we're, we're special in our own. <laughs> we're special snowflakes here. <laughs> in our own way that kind of led to this podcast and all the self-flagellation that goes around it. But um, those results are achieved through iteration, through reps, through preparation. And, and so I really try to reward and call out and recognize when I see those. It's pretty routine here, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't recognize it so um iterations what, what does iterations mean well i mean iterations is doing something multiple times to make it better and that's literally what we do with the software we make mistakes all the time we are absolutely humans and i, I guess that's what i meant like we're not special in that way but what i think does make most of us special is we we, we, we do the polish here before we go to site right oh my gosh my program was terrible Good thing mm-hmm. I'm just looking at it by myself before I present yeah. it to Adam. Yeah, and then good thing I'm going to go test it before I bring it to the customer to look at. Another way is like when I when I work with staff, there's usually a behavior or two that I'm looking for the person to practice, uh, that I'm challenging them on a bit for their own sake, not for their, for their career long term, not just our immediate performance or profitability but like look at the individual in front of me what's going to be good for them in five years and you know I don't talk about mindset necessarily but I think it ties into that how do I get this person reps you know I saw a really cool article um, about confidence and it was from a athletic trainer and I think he trained Olympians but he was talking about what, what is confidence and how, how do you coach it with someone and he he was saying he kind of compared it to an algebra formula but Confidence equals um, the number of times you see you're successful at something. And so when he goes coaching an athlete, the, maybe there's periodization, some kind of periodization he's going through um, with that athlete, whether it's a swimmer, cycler, or whatever. And he's actually, look, he's, a, he's building that into the weekly routines. How do I challenge them a bit so they see themselves successful at this, this? Maybe it's hill climbing with a bike, right? Another week it might be sprinting with the bike and setting those little stretch goals and having them overcome that. And that's an experience for that individual being successful at something and, and it builds. So I kind of try to work with that some. And, and essentially that, it, that is kind of a, a, a mindset type view of it because it's going to take iteration. Uh, you know, some, some employees I'm asking them to do things they're very uncomfortable with. Um, we hire a lot of introverts that are very good at details, uh, including myself. Um, and so doing something like saying, be more assertive, or sometimes I'll even say, like, let's work on your confidence, on your professional confidence. And that, that's what I have in mind. we got to get the, you don't just go for mm-hmm. that, the marathon right out of the gate. So I'm getting, him, I'm getting that person stretch, little stretch examples that are going to build. And that's really tied back to growth mindset. And... And then I guess on occasion where I may work with it a little more directly recently is um, 
if someone's frustrated by a result or looking down on themselves or something, there, there's times I will, uh, it's, it's more subtle, but just say, you never touched the software before. You know where it comes up a lot is with our, our IT, our in-house IT guru here that yeah, just, I, he's got to be one of the best cats in the industry and he's been building servers and messing with that stuff since he was 10. Yeah. He's very talented yeah. out of the gates also on top of that. Yeah. And those, those two are what really lets him peak. But you can imagine yourself being your, being here and comparing yourself to that person. And yeah. Man, I, I can't, I'll never be like that. It's like, well, he started, if you start building networks at home now, you'll, you'll certainly you'll catch, catch up to him in a decade. <laughs> like. It's probably, it probably is time for me too to just bring the concept up again, especially if we have some new hires yeah. and just refresh it, bring up that chart. That would be great. Because all these things, all this self-improvement work professionally and personally and even for your listeners, it's it's not a one-time thing you do and mm-hmm. and the doors, you know, you've walked through the door. No, you gotta, you got to keep revisiting this stuff. Absolutely. With whatever skill you're trying yeah. to improve.